I'm Arlen Hamilton, and I'm an investor. In 2015, I launched Backstage Capital, a venture capital fund, after experiencing food and housing insecurity for most of my life. I wanted to invest in companies led by founders who are women, people of color, and LGBTQ, just like me. I have invested in more than 150 companies since 2015 and growing. I started your first million to understand what it was like to make your first million dollars, get your first million fans or downloads, and to see if there was a common thread between us all. Join me as I talk to people from all walks of life about how they got where they are, what they learned on the way, and where they're going. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, I made my first million. <laughs> Let's talk about it. They slept on me, but now they walk Because I got a million Fresh out the mud, but I'm clean and so Because I got a million I got my first million I got my first million Hi everyone, it's Arlen. Welcome back to your first million. Woo! It is March 1st, Monday. It feels like that. It feels like a Monday and it feels like the first of the month. How's everybody doing? How is everyone doing? Thank you so much, everyone, just for listening to these episodes and giving your feedback. It is just one of my favorite things to work on and really, really appreciate it. This episode is with Morgan DeBond from Blavity, Afrotech, etc., etc. She is just a powerhouse. Those of you who know, know. Those of you who don't, man, pull out the notebook. Get ready to write some stuff down. I mean, she broke it down for for founders and for just people, anyone, anyone who's working on something important to them. Um, And I think I really, really love this episode because I think um, we had some very honest uh, back and forth with each other, feedback for each other, you know, and it's all love. And I think um, the two of us are super professional and we're, we're about catalyzing and about changing the narrative and about being an example and I think uh, having some some difficult conversations sometimes have to happen for for uh, change and real change to be made so I would say listen in about halfway through um, listen in even more (laughs) Uh, but no really the whole the whole episode the whole uh, interview is amazing And um, don't skip a minute of it. Don't skip a minute of it. I will see you all on the other side of this podcast episode. Hey, Morgan, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. You you hit the nail on the head when you say it's Monday and then dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Like it's it's Monday. Monday. Yes, yes. I mean, it's a year into, it's been a year since I had my hair professionally done. I know that much. <laughs> That's how I'm measuring it. <laughs> but uh, I want to know, I mean, I can't, first of all, I can't believe this is the first time we're doing this podcast together because I would have, I mean, I have been watching you, studying you, admiring you for years. 
And I'm just so, so delighted that we'll get to talk a little bit and, you know, get, like you said, be real with each other and, and, and really uh, talk through some stuff. So first of all, you run Blavity. I think I know you more as Afrotech first, but do you, do you find that people think that or because of the, the event is just so phenomenal and in your face or do people see you first as Blavity's founder, CEO? Well, I think in the tech world, people probably think Afrotech first. Um, although when I started Blavity Inc., which owns Afrotech, I was very intentional about not naming anything like the Morgan Debon show, you know, like it was, it's not about me. And so even Afrotech, um, there's been plenty of times when I'll be in a room and it'll be, you know, August, September leading up to the conference and someone will say, oh, are you going to Afrotech in November? Like I'm thinking about my ticket and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be there. I'll wow. And I'm, and then they get there and they see me on stage and it's, it's such a fun moment that happens to me like probably 20 to 50 times a year. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it just depends on where somebody's um, interacting with any of our brands. Well, that is that is funny. First of all, second of all, if you haven't been Afrotech yet, when it comes back, when we'll talk about when that might be, but when it comes back, you have to go. It's just, it's just, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, there are a couple of things that kind of rival it, but there's nothing that I've seen that that matches it. Um, can you describe for people who have not been to Afrotech what it is you hoped it would be and what it is? Yeah, so Afrotech, the conference, is an annual experience in the Bay Area, um, and it used to be in San Francisco. We moved it to Oakland in 2019 because I wanted to make sure that we were spending all of our money and cash that goes into building a conference in a city that was a reflection of our uh, us and who, who we were fighting for and building for. Um, but ultimately, it's a conference and an experience kind of like a black tech homecoming. So we have conference content, you know, programming, but it's mostly about the parties and the hanging out and an excuse for everyone to meet up at the same time. And so you get everyone ranging from college students to music professionals who are thinking about getting into tech to people who are on the kind of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, blockchain flow, to entrepreneurs, to VCs, to athletes thinking about angel investing. And it's a magical moment because for so long, we have been told that we are in tech and there's kind of this narrative that, oh, we're not in tech and we're not, if, we're not founders and we're not VCs and we don't invest in all these things that we don't do. And yet all of a sudden we're all here and we're very loud and we have a beautiful black unapologetic time. Yes. Yes. It's, uh, it's like a lot of hopes and dreams manifested in one place. And I've been the last three years uh, that was put on. Uh, and one of those years I interviewed Kehlani and I, I had such a good time doing that. And just, oh, that was fun. It, I have to tell you this, and I don't know how this is going to come across um, to, to most people, but I really don't care. Um, uh, it, it is one of those, uh, the few conferences that I'll, I, I look forward to going to, even if I'm not participating. And mm. like on a panel or speaking and that's very few and far between. It's just because of there's so much, to, there's so many options. 
Yeah. And it just feels like it is a homecoming. It's very yeah. special. And that's how it's designed. You know, I, there, we definitely get a tough time. You know, there's people who lobby us to be speakers to the point where I had to take myself out of being on the decision-making committee, mm-hmm. like process. Cause I was like, I don't want to be <laughs> the person telling so-and-so CMO and so-and-so CEO that they can't be a speaker. But one of the things that we always design it for is we want that person who goes through the first year two years from there, three years from then to come back and be on stage. So we constantly want to evolve and expand as the ecosystem expands as, you know, as Arlen, as you do your job and invest in more founders, then let me get out of the way. Like, I feel like an old founder at this point. I'm like, I don't need to be on stage, you know, Dave, Rodney from Blister, like Mm -hmm. Fred from Pigeon League, Deshaun, like we don't need to be on stage anymore. We need to be like, in the back clapping for everybody else. That's right. You know? I feel like that too. I'm, I'm kind of in between both worlds because I feel like pulling the spotlight um, has always worked in our favor. We pull the spotlight and if that has to be to me first, that's fine. We pull it and put it to our founders and it, it pays off in capital. It pays off in right. resources. But at the same time, today uh, I got a request to do a pretty high profile podcast and I immediately said, let's have Brittany, Brittany Davis do it. She's a partner mm, from your team. Yeah, like let's let, why, why are we always coming to me directly? And, 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 and that's just the way um, I think the, Pamela Jolly, I, I mentioned her a lot on this podcast because she was our first episode, but she said, you know, white people own own stuff and collaborate is how she put it together. She's like, that's a rich white people own stuff and collaborate. Um, yeah. Not that we're trying to aspire to be white people. <laughs> no, I'm good. But it's no, almost like, you know, it. it's like a lot of times I think, I, I love looking at the entertainment world to some of the people in the entertainment world who you see collaborate on a daily basis. You see a put like put each other on all the time. Ava and, right. and Journey and all, they're all putting each other on all the time. Um, let's just let's just kind of put it out there for the people who are wondering, when do you see Afrotech being able to come back? I mean, you get to see the same information we do, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you've thought about it. When do you think it comes Yeah, back? and I would say I see the same information the public does, but as a media CEO, I also see another set of information that people don't see because media gets access to stuff and we decide what we post or not, right? So um, for me, we are very cautious because we know that COVID impacts black people more than others, Um, not because the virus attacks us more, but because of of the disproportionate amount of people in our community who have it or uh, have frontline jobs. And so I'm very cautious to not be the first back in person. (laughs) You know, we should be one of the last. Um, That being said, I think that our audience, our attendees are anxious and are looking for connection. And a lot of us feel lonely. We feel disconnected from our tribe. And one of the reasons we do AfroTech is so that we can feel connected. We have that boost, that momentum moving into the next year. We're celebrated for our successes. And so I, I do feel a bit torn because the purpose of it is also to, um, to help us accelerate within our own ownerships and our own networks and our own collaborations like you're talking about. And so this year, what we're thinking of is a hybrid. So having some set of events in various cities, not doing a big, large experience in Oakland, um, and then 
also having a set of live streamed content because we built a new live streaming platform as well as we have our digital experience from last year called Afrotech World, which was like avatars. And we built this whole 360 virtual experience. So we're gonna do a combination of everything. Um, and we've really focused on Afrotech, the brand. So our website traffic for afrotech.com is now in the 2 million plus monthly unique mm -hmm. visitors. So it's 4X what Black Enterprise is or has ever been in terms of information for black folks interested in business and investing in personal finance so we've got a lot of things outside of just the conference to make sure we're still available yeah that's wonderful and more information can be found on the what website what's the link people should go to yeah just afrotech.com and you mentioned before um you talked about the work that backstage does but you you do some angel investing yourself right i don't put you on blast because i know people i dabble you dabble, okay, okay. So no, I'm, I'm dabbling for a while. Though. Yes, <laughs> I, I do. I love those moves. Yeah. So talk a little bit about why you do that and what what kind of the strategy is for you. Yeah. So I've been angel investing now for three years, and um, I think that for me, some of my favorite investors are angels that invested in me, and. I just remember the feeling that I felt when I would get on the phone with someone who was an operator and I could talk to them about things that felt overwhelming to me, but in hindsight were really actually just part of the day-to-day -day of running a business that's moving fast and growing quickly. So I, as I started to become more successful and build a bigger company, I had more time to invest in other people and invest my time. And now I have the finances to invest my money. Um, so I've figured out how to do both, you know, with time, I, I spent a lot of time making content for free on my Instagram and now my podcast and all these other things for founders, for entrepreneurs, for business owners. And for my money, there are a couple of people that I see probably a month that I'm like, oh, you might make it. Hold on now. Let me get in so that I can be of service to you. And and also so that you have a really, I have a good reason to continue to pick up the phone because this is a five to seven year relationship. You know, this isn't just a transactional Instagram DM. This is something, a business or person, more importantly, that I'm committed to. In terms of my criteria, I invest in companies that I think can exit, which sounds simple, but a lot of companies won't exit. We, we know this, right? The math is not in companies' favor. Um, I don't invest assuming I'm going to get my money back necessarily, but I do invest trying to make sure that this person or this company will exit within three to five years, yeah. which is quite ambitious as an angel investor, right? Um, but that's, that's my investment strategy. And do I think the founder has the resilience? Yeah. And you yourself, you have raised capital over time. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience in raising. And I don't, I don't see you. Um, it's not like it's about the aspiration again, right? It doesn't seem like you are. <clears throat> let me say it a different way. It seems like you want to be invested in by your customers. Like, right. you know, you're not you're not playing the same VC game that a lot of people make the mistake of playing. Mm -hmm. What is your strategy there? I mean, because you've raised millions mm -hmm. and obviously we can't discount that and we can't say that it didn't help you do what you needed to do. But did you did you find any pitfalls? Did you find anything that told you, hey, I'd rather I'd rather kind of bootstrap a little bit more? 
Yeah, so I started the company Bootstrapping. Um, a little bit on my background, I started my career at Intuit, working at a big tech company. I worked there for two and a half, three years before I started to say, this doesn't fit where I want to be in 10 years from now. And so let me figure out another pathway to the impact that I care about and the, the financial wealth and ownership that I want in my life. And entrepreneurship and, and being in Silicon Valley was the next obvious thing. Um, I was very hesitant to raise money. I decided to bootstrap for a year because I wanted to make sure that Blavity Inc. could be a reflection of our audience and our demographic and our community. And I felt that traditional venture capitalists were going to have a disproportionate amount of power on my company if we were too early when we fundraised because they would have a larger ownership stake and I would have been relatively junior as a 24 year old. And so their power and their voice would have, could have adversely impacted the vision that I had. And so I was willing to eat boiled eggs and oatmeal every day and save as much money as possible so I could reinvest in the business and take, take another job so that I could put cash back into the company for as long as possible. Now we got really big, really fast. And so I couldn't afford it. You know, we needed, our servers were getting hacked. We needed more space. We needed an office and needed to pay my employees a larger amount of money. And so I had to raise venture funding if I wanted to fulfill the vision that I had quickly, or I was going to have to slow down. Mm -hmm. I was unwilling to, you know, slow down. So I raised money and I've raised $12 million, a little bit more than that in the last four years. And it certainly has been beneficial to our growth quickly. Although to your point, I could have raised 40 million or more because for a media company of our size, we are the biggest black digital media company in the world. Like because of our total reach across all five of our brands, I've acquired two companies, Travel Nor and Shadow and Act. We run an ad network that reaches larger than interactive one or BET.com. So, you know, on the low, we're really big, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so that costs a lot of money to operate. And I needed that capital so that I could punch mm -hmm. above my weight class earlier so we could have the time to scale and grow and build the technology behind the scenes for our ad network to be able to invest the cash flow that a conference costs. You have to pay, you know, conferences like Afrotech are multi-million dollar expensive conferences, right? So the cash flow for a startup, you got to pay that stuff a year in advance. Cash flow is a big problem. So, you know, in terms of, of also being a media company, to your point, what we did was we built up Afrotech to be very profitable. And then we reinvested those profits in the media side of the business. Now, the media side of the business is 2x now what Afrotech is because it's a faster growing, more scalable business. But now all of our tech clients Netflix, Google, Facebook, Peloton, Twitter, they're all consumer clients for the media side of the business because they have big consumer brands now too. So it's been a beautiful ecosystem. And so I'd advise anyone who's considering the bootstrap or just raising to build a profitable business, not raising to build a business just for VC to consider how your cash flow, your profits can be reinvested into to new parts of the business that you normally would raise to cover. Yeah, this is, <clears throat> this is wonderful because it's everything that I preach 
every single day of my life is, yes, you can raise from outside sources, but know the plan and put what you need up front is probably less than you're thinking. You're just following yeah. the TechCrunch announcement. And repurposing what you need at, at the top, it may take longer, it may be more difficult, but then you get to make decisions, you get to take in money at, uh, and give away less equity when you take it in. And it sounds like you did that, you did exactly the case study, you know, and yeah. you, you followed the momentum of the company and where it was going and what it needed rather than trying to mimic what you seeing and kind of play founder, which I think some people end up having end up. Yeah, doing. Let's talk about that, Arlen, because I, I think um, I got dinged a lot of points by a lot of people had a lot of things to say, a lot of haters mm. who were like, you talk about being a big black media tech company, but your biggest business is Afrotech. And I'm like, look, Afrotech is where the money resides. Okay. I'm in this for the long haul. Don't be mad that my vision and our execution that there's a slight delay, like that doesn't make it less of the truth. Now those people are like, oops, right? Because as that was, as people were focusing over here, we were building this other thing on the other side, which is a, a true media company and a platform business and brands that are going to skyrocket and are already half. And it's very short-sighted, I think, for founders to listen to so much advice from so many other people who don't understand your vision. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's one of my pieces of advice for founders is like, look, I'm going to give you my two cents, but at the end of the day, it's your business. So you have to trust your gut and no one else is going to have the same long-term perspective or incentive as you. So always take that in consideration. Yeah. And, and I always say at backstage, uh, we're kind of like light uh, stars. Like when you're looking up at the sky and you're seeing stars at night, you're seeing the work of, you know, years uh, for it to get there, for the light to get there. And yeah. so everything that you see in a headline or that you see forward facing at backstage was stuff we worked on two years ago to make it five years ago, two years ago to make happen. So, so much is happening right now that is just not for the naked eye. No, and, so and, and I'll be honest too, Arlen, like I didn't understand what you were doing early yeah. on. Like <laughs> I definitely was like, I don't get it. I'm, I'm out like holler at me in a couple of years, you know, because I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I didn't have to get it, <laughs> you know, like, and I think that's so important, you know, for me to acknowledge to you too, because I was definitely hard on you in the early days. And, um, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry if that was, if I ever hurt you in any way. I also do really believe in what you're doing. You know, I just took me a while to get it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's, that's very big of you. And the way I look at it is I understand why it wasn't, that it couldn't be, it couldn't make sense at the time if you weren't me. A lot of things that I present internally at backstage today I, I watch people's eyes and they're just like, what is she talking about? But then a year from now, it makes so much sense. So I totally get it. What Where I was coming from back then is like, we yes, there are people who have been here before me. I'm not saying there weren't, but it's not... It's not being seen in the in the in the bigger picture the way it should be highlighted the way it should be. So we need to seed an ecosystem here. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just about building another fund. If I wanted to build another fund, I would have just like uh, muscled my way into a Sequoia or a first yeah. round or something. I would have just muscled my way and say, "Give me the seven figure uh, a salary and let me make noise for you." 
Right. This was more like, we have to see this in order for five years from now, where I see the vision for us to be there to kind of catch that fruit. And, and um, yeah, and I just, I've just been studying what you've been doing. I knew that you had to, you had to see what was up first. I, I got that from you. And because I'm very risk adverse to be an entrepreneur, you know, yeah, I'm, very, I'm very careful. Yeah, that works for a lot of people. And I think the majority of people should be. And I think that's why I talk, I talked to Jewel Burks about this a lot. And we've actually mm -hmm. done this on this podcast because Jewel is the same way. She was like, I'm just watching you on a tightrope and it scares me to death. Mm -hmm. And I said, there has to be you in the ecosystem to well, that's, that's what I realized in the ecosystem. Right. That's what I realized was like, I think that I was projecting my own fear of the implications for all of us. Mm -hmm. If uh, I don't succeed or you don't succeed and we're also public. And I also didn't have the vision of how quickly we were all going to grow as an ecosystem. I mean, where we all are as a black tech community today is very different than where we were four years ago. And even though we were all working towards where we are now and where we wanna be, it's still hard to imagine a world in which there's hundreds of black VCs you know, raising money and serving our community where there's thousands of black entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that actually have a real chance of raising funds because mm -hmm. now we all have the capital to reinvest. Like there are, are thousands of angel investors in the black yeah. community that we have been able to like encourage and embody. Oh, so yeah. it's and see, here's the thing. A long way. Here's the thing. 2014, that's the vision I had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's hard to, but that's what I saw. I just saw that's what, that's what it should be. So that's what we need to force to happen. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. It, it's, I, I just, I just love that we both exist in this ecosystem. Um, and I, and I, you know, I can't wait to be on, uh, you don't have to be matching, but kind of almost matching yachts and just kind of toasting, <laughs> toasting everybody, you know, coming in and just well one day we're definitely going to be there because that's what the rich white folk do so yeah. you know, at a certain point they just start holding court yeah and you just see them and you're just like what do you do and all they do is just hang out with people you know and just mm -hmm. hang out and give feedback and give money mm -hmm. that's it that's what it's about um let, let's talk about if you want to can we talk you have co-founders right or you have one i do yeah I have two co-founder co like how did you find how did you all come together? I know this is going backwards, but I think it's a good way to kind of start wrapping things up. How did you, how did you find each other? Yeah, I have incredible co-founders. Uh, I started the business with three, Jonathan Jackson, Jeff Nelson, and Aaron Samuels. Um, Jonathan transitioned out of the business, I think around year two and a half, year three. Um, and Aaron is now our COO, Jeff is our CTO. And um, I went to college with these guys. So we all went to Washington University in St. Louis. I'm from St. Louis, born and bred, never thought I'd leave. And uh, we all, when we graduated from college, felt the same way. We all felt disconnected. We all felt lonely working in a big company and not feeling like we were able to have the conversations or bring our full selves to work. Uh, and we all had these very friction sets of community. We had Google groups and chats and Facebook groups and all these different ways to stay connected. So we felt seen and we felt like we were at home. And 
because we all understood what we had in college, that feeling of being connected to one another and that centering and grounding that we felt together being at WashU, we wanted to build that feeling on the internet and for Blavity Inc. as a portfolio of brands to represent and be and build those experiences for different areas that we cover. So we are that feeling for Afrotech and Black folks in tech. We are that feeling for Shadow and Act in the Black Hollywood community. We are that feeling for travel noir and the Black travel experience. So we try to make sure that our brands always come back to wanting to be connected, feeling home, feeling seen, and us being the first place where, you know, we're going to acknowledge you, we're going to, we're going to shout you out, like, you don't have to run around and dance around, it's like, no, we got you, just send us a press release, we, mm-hmm. you know, it's our job. It's amazing, and you you all have featured so many backstage portfolio companies, we call them headliners, uh, and so we just, it's very true, it's very true. What is, what is the new streaming platform all about? What are you doing there? Yeah, so two, probably about two or two and a half years ago, talking about, uh, you know, things that happened two years ago that finally come out. So yeah, about two years ago, or maybe three at this point, we decided because of Afrotech's such strong community that we wanted to build a platform to connect people to each other. That was that was the original impetus. It's like, we have all these brands and we have a one-to-one relationship with us as a media company and brands to our audience, but we don't connect our audience to each other except for at Afrotech. Um, and so how do we scale that success online? And so lunch table, which we all met at the lunch table at WashU. So that's where it comes from is like black folks are at the lunch table is a platform where you can watch live conversations every day. So it might be a chat between Tracy Ellis Ross and an editor at Shadow and Act. It might be a chat between you and Will Lucas. Either way, it's every day, it's some sort of conversation and then we restream any other live events that we have. So all of our digital summits, we don't use Hopin anymore. We don't use any other platform. We use our platform that we own, that we have the data for. And um, Afrotech is streamed on there. It was streamed last November. It'll be streamed there this year. So we're using it as also our own technology platform for discussions and for conversations. Mm. Is that something that you all will turn into a, a enterprise a product or is it something that you use internally? Yeah, our clients are already asking for that, of course. Um, it's not something that I think we should do quite yet. I believe that content and consumer and community is where we should focus and not necessarily try to build an enterprise SaaS product. It's, it's, a, it's just a different business that we don't do. Um, where we're really strong is is that content piece and making sure that we are that driving force for conversations. Now, if a partner wants to host an event and for us to restream it, we'd be willing to do that, right? And, and that's just a brand deal, a media deal. Um, but I think our strength is where the audience is. I don't want to get into the business of like managing everybody's IT companies yeah. and, and yeah. security and, you know, all of that. Yeah, it's wonderful though to be to be able to build that internally, build so many things internally that like you all do. Um, and what is the? I know you have a new podcast. What is the topic and the and the meaning of that? Yeah, so my podcast is called the Work Smart Advisor Podcast, and I started the Work Smart Advisor brand and program about three years ago when I just did not have any more time for one-on-one conversations with entrepreneurs. I was all tapped out and I felt like a broken record. So I wanted to create 
a brand that was for myself, for Morgan Dubon, not under the Blavity Inc. portfolio, that could be dedicated to helping small business owners and entrepreneurs scale their business. As a founder, I always felt like all the content focused on fundraising, and nobody talked about what happens after you've raised your money, and that is the risk zone for me, and um Oftentimes, also with entrepreneurs, if they didn't fundraise, then they don't get that built-in advisorship that so many of us have have in terms of what is an org chart? How do you make one? How do I hire my first set of employees? How do I fire employees? Should I do Facebook ads? Should I not? Like actually growing the business and scaling. So WorkSmart Advisor is all about people's personal teams, how entrepreneurs are operating behind the scenes. It's all about operations. We don't really talk that much about fundraising or Silicon Valley at all. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, Everybody go check it out. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to make sure is is heard? Um, I think we covered it. Like I think for a lot of the entrepreneurs, yeah, I think all the entrepreneurs who listen to this, you know, if you're hesitant about raising VC funding, you should be. And uh, really listen to the things Arlen is teaching you because it is, I've seen so many cap tables that of black entrepreneurs oftentimes where they don't own a lot of their company and it's only series A. <laughs> and I'm like, how did we get here? They, they joined too many accelerator programs and they've given away all their equity at horrible terms. And then they go raise seed and then they go raise A and they own less than 20%. Yeah. And you ro- you do this rolling thing and I've done it myself. So I know you do this rolling thing. We have a rolling note. Right. <laughs> and then that rolls you right into less than 50% of your company by the time it's horrible. it falls. Especially if you have co-founders, you know? So uh, that's my biggest takeaway for people when I'm looking at their cap tables and stuff is like, you know, you got to be really careful because you probably are going to have to keep raising more. everyone thank you thank you for listening to that episode of your first million really loved having morgan on hey if you have not yet checked out arlensacademy.com let me tell you something every single week i'm adding new experts adding new courses it is probably i don't know it's not probably it is one of the best values in all of tech Um, If you're building anything, if you've already built something, you need the next step. We have everything from very, very beginner all the way to advanced, um, from people who haven't started their companies to people who have exited. You're going to find something here that you enjoy. Arlensacademy.com. Keep a lookout. There are some sponsored and free courses, so you don't have to pony up cash right away. You can see what we're about first. Check it out and learn something. That's what this is all about. It's all about learning and spreading information, sharing and spreading information. I'll see you all next time. Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen was here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. Your first million is produced by Anna Aichenauer. 
executive producer Arlen Hamilton. Associate producer Chacho Valadez. Theme song is used by permission by the artist Tobey Nguigwe.